on Thursday this week, <clears throat> Luke and I went to the Shakespeare Rose Theatre. I don't know if any of you have been to it or seen it. New pop-up theatre uh, in York at the moment. Um, and Luke wanted to take me to see Romeo and Juliet, which I studied when I was 15, and I love it. And I've seen the Leonardo DiCaprio film lots of times. Um, <laughs> not because of him, but you know, such a beautiful story. Um, so we went in, we were in uh, the groundlings area, which is like right down the bottom, so you can either stand or sit. We're old, so we took cushions and we sat on the floor. Thankfully, everyone else did, so we could see. And the, the play started with the entire cast dancing to Come On Eileen, which was a little bit of a surprise. Um, and then the first monologue started, and I was gripped by it, but also thinking, don't entirely recognize these words. And then Luke leaned over to me and said, it's Richard III. <laughs> I don't know Richard III. It's four hours long. We couldn't leave. <laughs> he hadn't tricked me. We checked our tickets, and it very clearly said Romeo and Juliet for Sunday, the 22nd of July, which is today. Uh, so I don't know how they let us in, because they did check our tickets, but we were in, and we were there, and I got my phone out and read an um, act-by-act synopsis so I could understand what was going on. <laughs> and on my Kindle, I downloaded the play so I could follow it, and I thought, I'll just study, I'll just study tonight. And it was actually really good, really recommend it. But the good thing is we get to go tonight and actually see Romeo and Juliet. So we get to go twice, don't tell anyone. <laughs> so uh, this is part of our work and rest series, the final one, and today we are talking about um, the Sabbath. So I just want us to start by having a little think about what would we do with a day off? So a day off from work, or if you're a parent, maybe you get a day off from looking after the kids. What do you do on a day off? Um, it might be the weekend, or if you do shift work, it might be midweek. And I think most of us would resonate with the idea that we would use that day to rest, maybe. We work hard all week. Um, yeah, that's what I look like when I rest. Um, we work hard all week. Um, we do a full 40-hour week, right? We work through our lunch breaks to get the job done. We do overtime without being paid. And so our days off, that's our downtime. That's when we get a nice lie-in. We can watch Netflix. We can... Um, uh, stay in bed late, we can go to the gym, meet up with friends, eat takeaway, all of those nice things, because we've earned it. Or maybe your approach to your day off is, that's the day where you get all of the stuff done that needs to be done in your life. Um, because, uh, especially if you've got kids, the job's never really done. Like The work just goes on, even on a day off, you've still got kids to look after. I remember a few weeks into motherhood, the horrible realization that weekends were now totally irrelevant to me. Because a small child does not sleep on a Wednesday and does not sleep on a Sunday and still needs feeding three times a day, um, th every three hours, not even three times a day, <laughs> if only. Um, and so uh, the, yeah, the, uh, the days just rolled into each other and I no longer had a day off. And even now, my kids are at school and I work, but on my days off, they still need looking after, the house needs cleaning, the gardening needs doing, which I don't do because Luke does it, and um, all the jobs still need doing, cooking, cleaning, making appointments, all that sort of stuff. Um, 
recently I had my haircut, haircut and my hairdresser, which I love, her name's Tracy. My haircut used to take 15 minutes and it now takes 45, literally just because she talks. <laughs> it doesn't take any longer. It's just she goes a lot slower because she really loves telling me stories. And so she was telling me that in 2018, she has not yet had a day off. She hasn't had a day off in 2018 and we're halfway through the year. And she said, oh, yeah, I've taken annual leave, but it's to do stuff, like to take my son to his driving lesson or take my daughter somewhere or uh, get some jobs done or whatever. But I haven't actually had a day off. And next week she's going to Turkey and she's going to an all-inclusive hotel where she will literally sit on her bum for two weeks and do nothing. And so we've got the extreme version of working hard and then resting hard there. And so as we approach a day off, as we approach the weekend, the way we talk about it and the way we think about it, whether it's um, that we're going to do nothing or that we're going to do everything on those days, um, this does influence whether we get truly replenished by it. I'm not saying either attitude is better than the other one, but I'm just wondering if either approach allows us to rest in the way that God designed it. So we're going to have a look at what the Bible says about rest now. And we're going to look at Hebrews 4, which is in the New Testament. So if you've got your Bible with you, or you've got an app on your phone, then it'd be great if you can open it and just follow it. It's just really helpful if you're engaging with the text as well. Now, we're not really sure who wrote Hebrews. It might be Paul, might be Peter, might be someone else. We're not told. It was written to the Jews about 70 years after Jesus. So the person that wrote it wasn't an eyewitness to Jesus, but they're writing to encourage the Jews. And I'm going to read from the message version today. So if you're on your phone, you might want to switch it over. It'll be on the screen anyway. Basically, I chose the message because I didn't understand the NIV. It was really wordy. So here we go. For as long then as that promise of resting in him pulls us on to God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. We received the same promises as those people in the wilderness, but the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. If we believe, though, we'll experience that state of resting, but not if we don't have faith. Remember what God said. So this passage is a throwback to the time of Moses and Joshua, to the time when God led the Israelites out of slavery and into freedom. Now, if you're new to church or new to faith and you're not familiar with that story, I don't have all the time to unpack it, but if you've seen Disney's Prince of Egypt, then you probably will have a good grasp of it anyway. Uh, so the Israelites were God's people, and they were slaves to the Egyptians, and they worked every day of their lives for no money and no rest. And God, through Moses and through a set of miracles, which included parting the Red Sea so that the Israelites Israelites could escape. Um, God set them free from this slavery and led them into the promised land, which was the land of rest. And so these people literally had never had a day off, ever. They didn't know what rest was. And so to have this God who promised them rest, and not only promised it, he actually commanded it, was extraordinary for them. The fourth commandment that God gave to Moses is, remember to keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the commandments are often read as a kind of as a list of rules, right? Like things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do. And they kind of get a bit of a bad press because no one really wants to be told what to do and what not to do. But when God gave these commandments to Moses, he was giving them to a group of people 
who had only ever been slaves. They didn't know what it meant to be free. Their only model of a free society was the Egyptians. And they were oppressive. They had numerous gods, like every pharaoh was considered a deity. They were pretty freestyle when it came to sex, like pretty much anything went. And their whole culture was built around who had the best gold and jewelry and riches. So the commandments aren't really a list of rules as such, but a guide on how to be human. The Israelites were discovering freedom for the first time, and they needed to figure out how to be human. And God didn't want them to think that the Egyptians were the best people to copy. So when God says that they should remember to keep the Sabbath day, he's teaching them how to be human, how to rest. And the commandment is to keep the Sabbath day as a rest day so they can be set apart. They were slaves, and now they're not. They were slaves, and now they're free. Therefore, they can rest. They couldn't do that before. And it's also a day for them to remember what God has done for them. So not just rest, but remember. Remember where they've come from. So that is a day to rest with God and know that he's their father and they're no longer oppressed. So let's carry on reading. Exasperated, I vowed. They'll never get where they're going, never be able to sit down and rest. Unfortunately, the Israelites were disobedient to God. They had all sorts of faith issues, and they ended up having to wait 40 years before they could get to the promised land, which was Canaan. And that, for them, was the place of rest, the ultimate place of rest, a place they could finally call home. But because of their disobedience and their sin, God said they will never fully find rest. Let's carry on reading. God made that vow, even though he'd finished his part, before the foundation of the world. Somewhere it's written, God rested the seventh day, having completed his work. But in this other text, he says, they'll never be able to sit down and rest. So this promise has not yet been fulfilled. Those earlier ones never did get to the place of rest because they were disobedient. God keeps renewing the promise and setting the day as today, just as he did in David's psalm, centuries later than the original invitation, Today, please listen, don't turn a deaf ear. So this is just reminding us of two things. One, that God rested, even God rested. He created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he took a rest. And it's also reminding us again that that promise wasn't fulfilled. It wasn't finished. It wasn't done by the Israelites. It's still going on. Let's carry on. And so this is still a live promise. It wasn't cancelled at the time of Joshua. Otherwise, God wouldn't keep renewing the appointment for today. The promise of arrival and rest is there for God's people. God himself is at rest. And at the end of the journey, we'll surely rest with God. So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest, not drop out through some sort of disobedience. And so just like that promise that was made all those years ago, a promise of God's deep rest, we too have been promised rest through the gospel. So Jesus, who's God's son, God in human form, lived on earth, lived among us. He showed us how to live, how to be fully human, and he taught us the way of God, and then he eventually died for us. And he did this because he loves us so much that he took a punishment instead of us. 
So all the times that we disobey God, that we lie and we cheat and we judge and we gossip, all those things that separate us from God, that's the punishment we deserve. But Jesus paid the price instead. He died, he got separated from God, and then he came back to life, defeating death. And so that gospel message is a mirror of what happened all those hundreds of years ago before that, of God taking the Israelites out of slavery and into a land of rest. Jesus offers us a promise to take us out of the things that we're slaves to and into rest. The things in our lives that hold us down, the worry about money, the desire for comfort, our need for people to like us, our identity and our own achievements. This isn't just a cheeky lie-in on a Sunday. This is a deep spiritual rest from, coming, uh, from knowing the Father. I no longer need to have my identity in what people think of me or what I've achieved in life or how much money I have. I don't need to have my identity in how good my kids behave or how big my house is. Those are the things that we've become slaves to. Those are the things that are our Egypt. And God offers us freedom from those things. And he offers us this deep, deep rest in him. So this is the face of my youngest boy, Aaron, when he was two. And then this is him not, longer, uh, not long after I told him that he wasn't allowed to eat toilet roll. What a bad mum I am. And this particular tantrum, which started well, but very quickly escalated into no reason at all. Um, it was one of my rare parenting successes when I followed the books. So I remained calm, consistent, and kind, but I wouldn't back down because I didn't want him to eat toilet roll. <laughs> so I didn't get cross with him, I didn't argue with him, I didn't shout at him, I just kept saying, I'm so sorry, Aaron, you're not allowed to eat toilet roll. You can have a banana if you want. <laughs> and I did that for an hour. You heard six seconds. A whole hour. And we'd go through this cycle where he'd be really, really cross and screaming like that. And then he'd kind of get tired and he'd want to cuddle. So we'd cuddle. And then he'd suddenly remember that he was really angry at me. And he'd shout in my face and scream at me for a bit. And he'd get tired and come for a cuddle. And... On and on we went. So eventually, when we were in the second hour of the tantrum, he got really weary and he started to give up. And he once again came for a cuddle. And this time, he stayed there. And I whispered to him that I love him. I whispered to him, I love you, Aaron. You are safe. I love you. You are safe. And his whole body relaxed. And he fell asleep on me. This deep, deep sleep. I don't document all of their things. <laughs> like minute by minute of my children. <laughs> this is the sort of rest that God promises us. We wrestle with God. We fight. We run away. We scream. We shout. We do our own thing. We stamp our feet. We mess up. We get angry. And despite all that, God whispers, I love you. You're safe. And he invites us into his embrace, into this place of rest where we can be free of all the stuff that bothers us. 
And so this passage is titled in the Bible as Sabbath. And it's about a gospel of rest, but it's also about having a Sabbath, having a day of rest with God. And it's really important. It's biblical. It's a command. But what this does, this whole passage in Hebrews, is it anchors the Sabbath with this great big why. Why should we rest? Just because God tells us to, just because God rests, or just because Jesus rests. The reason we rest is the same reason that God told the Israelites to, to remember that we have been invited into this gospel of rest. It's a day not just to mentally remember it, but actively live out the real promise that believing in Jesus can give us a rest like no other. And it's not a day that you deserve because you work hard, and it's not a day that you can just get all your stuff done because you're not in the office. It's a gift. It's a day that God has gifted to you when he set you free. It's a day that comes from faith and a day that strengthens faith. And it's a day that you, as a slave, yeah, that as someone walking in freedom because of what Jesus did for us, you can have. And so we don't rest in this way, when we don't rest with God and rest in a way that replenishes us and refreshes our souls and reminds us of what he's done for us, then that's a sin. If we don't do Sabbath, then we're forgetting the promise that God has for us and we're being just like the Israelites who were disobedient and they lost their faith. So I want to finish by just talking about what Sabbath could look like and how could you do Sabbath differently in the light of knowing that the gospel is, is one of rest. And so this comes with no judgment at all. It's not about what we do. For some people watching Netflix, is absolutely the right thing, and you can do that with God. And for some people, going to the gym is really replenishing, and you do that with God. And for some people, hanging out with friends is good, and you can do that with God. God is so less interested in our behavior and so more interested in our motivation. So if we approach Sabbath with one of remembering the freedom that God has given us, then the choices of what we can do are endless. And so I also, just before I finish, want to recognize that if you have uh, children, or particularly small children, then you might be thinking, I just don't have a Sabbath. But um, if you believe that Sabbath is a day off, then yeah, you probably don't have one. But if it's a day where you can remember all that God has done for you, then hopefully you can still do that, even, even in a busy life, even with children, even in crazy circumstances. So we're going to have a chat now. I think Annabelle's just going to tell us a bit more about what we're going to chat about.